Hi, podcast. Hello, podcast. Hello, podcast, podcast, podcast. It is the morning time. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. I have my Hey Boo mug. I have this drink I got from... It's a big-ass drink. Starbucks, yeah, it's a weird It's the size angle. of your head. What'd you get? Was it one of the holiday ones? Uh, it's a chai tea. Mm. Latte. The best. I've been counting down. I Y'all know, I don't like Christmas. <laughs> like, I don't like, I don't like Christmas music. I don't like gingerbread. Like, I don't fuck with any of that. However, every year, I count down the days until the Starbucks seasonal drink release. <laughs> every year and i've never been so excited it happened yesterday <laughs> yeah I, this, I, i'm going to get a, a peppermint mocha that's so good yeah i didn't even think about that today because it's just the campus one mm-hmm. so i was gonna say the name but then they might be able to track <laughs> my school it's the campus one so they it's like they serve starbucks so they usually get stuff later mm. just by like a couple of days but it's not like, you can't use gift cards out there. They just, like... Oh. They have... It's, like, a Starbucks menu and everything. Like, it looks like a Starbucks, but mm-hmm. it's technically... It goes by a different campus name, and it's, like, Sir Starbucks. Ours is similar. But, like, with ours, you can still use your app, but you can't order ahead. You can't redeem any stars. But you can still use your app to pay. You can still gain stars. Does y'all's campus have a, a a redacted drink? Like, we have the f- frappuccino. It's just pistachio. I think we have one, but I thought it was, like, everywhere. I don't know. Maybe it is just our school. Because we have something on the board. Mm-hmm. But we have, like, because they also will just, like, they have other stuff that isn't Starbucks, so I don't know if it was, like, just the... I don't know if it's a Starbucks coffee that's just for ours or if the school just has one on there. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know the exact lineup of it all. Mm. I don't even remember the name. It's probably something. We saw the everything here is a bad pun. Or not pun, or just like a play on Because we're, we could bleep it out. And it's it's all that. That is every ad here. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of cute. No, it was good, but like every marketing person here is like you know what we should do rhyme with these two (laughs) words you know what we should do market to the college exactly no yeah exactly which is smart because i waste all my money (laughs) yeah what else happened this week that's appropriate to talk about on the podcast i know i feel like we get all the like two personal stuff (laughs) out of the way and then we're like so uh, what else happened (laughs) no yeah we really like just talk about every heavy thing that has happened in the week and then press play like we're just suddenly gonna be funny yeah (laughs) no it's not gonna happen we also like figure out plans like we were talking about who's gonna be where for thanksgiving and christmas and and then it's like what did i do this week i don't remember i don't know what week it is anymore died slowly this week was miserable by the time this episode goes out voting will already have happened we just talked about voting yeah we're gonna go vote we vote you should too yes i vote at the fire station down the street from my house it's very convenient i saw somebody on twitter who was volunteering um it was really sweet they were like i've i've finished voting so if a mom 
needs me to stand next to their car while their kids are inside to go vote, like, I'll do that for you. Because That's so sweet. So that moms don't have to, like, unpack their whole car to go in and vote. I was like, that's so nice. People are good. People can be, yeah. Yeah, people can be good, I guess the better way to and say that. other it. people are evil. I'm one of the evil ones. <laughs> Should we start? Uh, I'm down to. Mine's fun today. Exciting. Okay. Also um, scary. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a fun, true crime. I don't know how I managed that. Oh, but. no. Um, I felt like we needed, we needed a palate cleanser, right? We needed a, a true crime that wasn't children dying or, like, brutal assaults. I needed something a little bit more frisky. Frisky? Um, so I have, it's a very, very, very famous true crime story. And to put that into perspective, one of my sources is the Smithsonian. Um, okay did you know that they had a magazine and that it's interesting as fuck (laughs) it's all on their website and i was they got some cool stuff in there um but i know they're one of my sources a a natural history museum and i just Mm -hmm. thought it was like a thing they had i didn't know they regularly put one out no yeah um so one of my sources is the smithsonian it's really interesting um, hints, hints, hints. It happened during the Great Depression. It happens in New York. Oh, is this the one at the the world world thing? Huh? What 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 is that thing called? Oh, the World's Fair. Yeah, that's in Chicago. I don't know where it was. Is it? Didn't or it move every year? Where or every was time it happened? The world's Fair. Showing results for the World's Fair. Oh my god, I need to make my... No, I guess it was in the United States. Or, duh, it was in the fucking United States. <laughs> Chicago's oh not the United States. Oh my god, you stupid bitch. <laughs> but yeah, I guess it does move, because it was in Paris in the 1800s. Yeah, Paris, yeah. Paris, 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 New York City. Sardinia, Paris, Turin, Paris, Turris, Turin, Paris. London, Birmingham. Lots of Paris. Was there not one in Chi- There was one in Philadelphia. But I thought... Because the devil in the white city is about... Am I stupid? Control F. Chicago. 1897, 1907. When was H.H. Holmes active? 1891. So it was that World's Fair. So not that, though. Hmm? So, yeah, so the fact that you had to look that one up means it's not about... Oh, no. H.H. Holmes. No. For those of you who don't know, there's a very famous book called The Devil in the White City, and it's about the World's Fair is happening at the same time. That It's all fictionalized, so the names are changed, so it's not exactly H.H. Mm-hmm. Holmes, but H.H. Holmes was active when one of the World's Fairs was happening in Chicago. So. Okay. 
um, the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. That, like, narrows it down to none to me. I <laughs> I don't, like, I'm so bad at timelining events like that. Okay, do you want me to just tell you? Sure. Okay, the guy's name is Michael Malloy. Malloy sounds familiar. He's a very, very, very famous story. He's also called Mike the Durable. Well, I haven't heard that. <laughs> or Mike the Impenetrable. I don't know. I feel like a lot okay. of people get called Im- impenetrable. I like that you don't know because I'm not going to tell you anything about the story. I'm not going to tell you why it's fun. I'm just going to tell it. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> to surprise you. Um, no, it's crazy, dude. So, 1932 in New York, right? Mm-hmm. Um, our, this is a, this, our setting is a speakeasy or a bar uh, where a handful of men are drinking together. Okay, this is, so this is New York in the middle of the Great Depression, so everybody is broke. Um, in Michael's case, he was unemployed. He did have, like, the occasional odd job, like, he'd sweep out alleyways for extra money, um, but he always asked to be paid in alcohol. <laughs> so they'd just give him booze for sweeping out alleyways and doing the odd jobs around, um... He was a regular, though, at this one specific speakeasy, which was owned by this guy named Tony Marnino. Mari- no. Marino. Marino. Mm-hmm. Tony Marino. But Tony owned the bar. Um, so, it's like, Tony owned a business, but, like, even business owners were struggling during mm-hmm. the Great Depression. And Tony specifically had a problem with people having open tabs. So, like drinking on credit and never paying uh anything for their actual drinks so he's pouring liquor down the drain essentially yeah um but tony had friends who frequented the establishment um and all of these men are employed i thought that was relevant (laughs) so tony owns the bar and then we got have this guy named francis pasqua who's really important um and daniel kreisberg who's kind of important okay they're all 20-somethings. They hang out. They drink together. Um, and Tony one day is talking to them about all these money problems, right? He's talking to his friends about these money problems that the bar is having, and he's worried that he's going to go bankrupt. Mm. So, and then Francis has an idea, okay? We're going to circle back to Michael for a second. Michael is what I call an advanced drunk okay Uh that's the name of this week's episode this man is is a drinker okay Okay? one of the quotes from the smithsonian article was that he showed up every single morning and asked for quote another morning's morning if you don't mind he started drinking at like 9 a.m and he was out (laughs) cold by noon like this man every day without fail It was to the point where that he was such a regular, he would show up every morning, drink until he passed out, and would, like, sleep on the floor. And they just... They just let him. (laughs) But he was one of these dudes who was drinking on credit. Oh. So Francis gets this idea that Tony should take out a life insurance policy on Michael. 
so that when he kicks the bucket, the tab will be repaid. I mean, he's already drinking himself to death. Why not? Jeez, um. Francis specifically says, like, you do all that and I'll take care of the rest. You know what Francis was? He was a graveyard keeper. <laughs> he's just going to be an undertaker. <laughs> So, this differs by source, right? Because some people think that it was Tony's idea. Mm-hmm. Most sources do agree that it was Francis's suggestion. Okay. Um, so, that that's a, an important note. But I, I do kind of tie it up a little later, later. So, Francis is an undertaker, grave digger, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this also goes with the fact that no one knew anything about Michael. He had no family. Like, he was 60-something. All anybody knew was that he was from Ireland. Like, that was it. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's Michael from Ireland. Yeah, that's literally everything everybody knew. But Tony had actually run a scam like this before. So he befriended this homeless woman and convinced her that he should be the sole beneficiary of her insurance policy, which was about $2,000. And then he murdered her. But okay. what he did was, it wasn't like stabby stabby. Ah, that's the name of this week's episode. <laughs> um, he did it by force feeding her alcohol, and then stripped off her clothes and doused her mattress and blankets in ice water and like let her freeze to death. Jesus. So the cause of death was pneumonia. Jeez. Yeah. Um, but also this does differ on the source too because some people put that on Francis. Like oh. it's it's all Francis and Tony. Okay. But they're the both Smithsonian- someone involved. Yeah. The Smithsonian's version of the story is that Francis knew that Tony had done it before and that's why he was comfortable suggesting it again. Okay. So to me that felt like a very neat version of events because it like in, Tony was the beneficiary of the other life insurance policy obviously it was Tony who did something in mm-hmm. the first one um but it most of the sources agree that Francis suggested it and it was most likely because Tony had confided in him about the homeless woman Did Tony ever get caught for that? Yes and no. Okay. We'll come back to it. Mhm. Um, the last part of this trio is Daniel Kreisberg. He was a grocer, grocer, like he owned a grocery store. He decided to participate because the money could really help his family. Okay. So he di- he wasn't one of the masterminds, but he was like there. Um, a few other guys get involved too. Okay. They're all frequenters at the bar. And this is what is called uh, the murder trust. Oh my gosh! Starts in and months. Uh, This starts in July. Okay, that's important. So a few other guys get involved, and uh, in addition to our original three, we have a few petty criminals: um, John McNally, Edward Tin Ear Smith, um, and then two partners. They were criminal partners: Tough Tony Bastone and Joseph. Maglione. Okay. And then last, we have this guy named Red Murphy. Some sources say Joseph Mur- Murphy was most likely um, a, a nickname because they already had a different Joseph. Yeah. But Red was a bartender at Tony's bar. Okay. And Red becomes kind of important because Red and Francis 
are handling the legalities okay. of this plan. So essentially the idea is this. Red makes up a person named Nicholas Melroy. Okay? So Nicholas is this alter ego, this OC, if you will. <laughs> and he and uh, Francis go around and open up all these life insurance policies with Red pretending to be Nicholas. Like, I'm opening up a life insurance policy for myself. Um, they actually open up three. <laughs> so all for... For Nicholas, okay. yeah. So Francis got one of his, like, other colleagues from the funeral business industry to verify Nicholas's, in quotes, fake occupation. So they said, like, oh, I'm a florist, like, I'm healthy, all florist. this. Like, I want life insurance policies. Um, and they open up three. They open up one from the Metropolitan Life Insurance Company and two other ones from the Prudential Life Insurance Company. And all of them had double indemnity, which means that they pay out double if the policyholder dies accidentally. Okay. So the, the way it shakes out is that they're opening up this fake life insurance policy, and then when Michael eventually kicks the bucket, Red is going to pretend to be his brother. Okay. I kind of... So... Yeah. It's it's a little fucky because of the alter ego, essentially, but essentially Michael is Nicholas. Yeah. So Red is pretending to be Nicholas to open up all these life insurance policies, and then when Nicholas, quote-unquote Nicholas, kicks the bucket, Red will then pretend to be his brother to collect mm -hmm. the insurance. The way it shakes out, if this plan is successful, um, is each of the members would get about $3,500, Today, that's about seventy-seven thousand grand. Like each thousand, not thousand grand, thousand. Like <laughs> grand, seventy-seven grand. Yes, each. Like oh my god, they would be pocketing almost a hundred thousand dollars for <laughs> for having this each. man drink himself to death. Literally. So all they had to do was get him to sign the paperwork. Michael, which is incredibly easy because Tony just told him that if he did, he could drink for free. Like, that he'd have a limitless bar tab. Well, yeah, and then and that's easier Michael, for him to drink himself to death. Michael was so excited. <laughs> so. <laughs> um, so he does, and they sign the paperwork, and all the legalities are set in place so that these seven dudes will collect three insurance policies from Michael when he dies but this is a true crime podcast <laughs> and it's not that easy i was wondering because, where, where it would turn because michael will not die <laughs> these guys try fucking everything <laughs> oh no this is like the scp episode where we yeah, no literally <laughs> can we drop a nuke on him can we drop him out of a plane? <laughs> um, so the first attempt was pretty basic. Essentially, Tony just never cut him off. Mm -hmm. Like, they kept, his, they kept his drink full. He was already in a pretty bad state. Um, so they're just going to keep refilling and keep refilling and keep refilling. The problem is he just keeps drinking. Like, <laughs> this man is an experienced drunk. Like, 
No, he doesn't die. In fact, he just drinks more. Like, he'll <laughs> take a nap, wake up, and keep drinking. Like, he's just built so, up, like, an immunity to it. His body no, has just really. gotten so good at processing it from 9 a.m. to whenever no, he No, literally, because he out. is drinking near constantly. Like, all day, every day, all this man does is consume alcohol. Like, so, of course, he's not going to keel over and die the second you give him an extra shot of whiskey. Like, it's it's not that simple. Um, I'm trying to find the quote. I keep thinking of the TikTok audio. <coughs> it's cute. You're going to kill Which me one? with the power of friendship and all, but I am the devil from the Bible, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, so he drank for three days i thought there was a better quote but the quote was that um uh tony marino granted him an open-ended tab saying competition from other saloons had forced him to ease the rules no sooner did malloy down a shot than marino filled his glass quote malloy had been a hard drinker all his life one witness said and he drank on and on he drank until marino's arm tired from holding the bottle Remarkably, his breathing remained steady. His skin retained its normal ruddy tinge. Finally, he dragged a grungy sleeve across his mouth, thanked his host for the hospitality, and said he'd be back soon. Within 24 hours, he was. <laughs> Dang. That, ha- that happens for three days. He just keeps coming back. Yeah, for three days, he just comes back and drinks to Sweeps his heart. Sweeps the content. alley and then... <laughs> yeah. Um... So Tony and friends start to get impatient. So they decide three days, and they're like, "We we don't have the life insurance yet." They started spiking his drinks to try and get him to kick the bucket. Um, The first thing they try, antifreeze. They're just making him immune to more stuff. (laughs) That is exactly what happens because spoiler alert: the antifreeze does nothing. He just (laughs) drinks it like. And I believe he asks for more. Like, he, he's fine with the antifreeze. Um, Jeez. Then they, then they try turpentine. Okay. And then they try straight up rat poison. Actually, rat poison will just make you really sick. I don't think rat poison will kill you. I think it's digested differently. I think I remember reading something about that. Like, that's a miss. Well, maybe you, maybe you figured it out that's why he's immune they just used all the bad stuff yeah i think it's like one of those things because it has poison in the name but it like works differently maybe i'm wrong Mm -hmm. about that though i'll look it up in the intermission nice um but nothing kills him yeah nothing (laughs) he's fine (laughs) one explanation for why this didn't kill him was that the ethanol is used as an antidote for antifreeze poisoning so like i don't oh it cancels out yeah it's like binds to it before it messes your shit up so they start giving him shots of wood alcohol what is it's it's methanol that is distilled from wood it's so strong that ingesting just a little bit of it can make you go blind what the heck is he good in 1929 more than 50,000 people nationwide died Oh my gosh. Um, and this, drinks that had just 4% wood alcohol had caused people to go blind. They weren't giving him drinks with wood alcohol in it. They were giving him shots of it. <laughs> oh no. 
And Daniel also, important note, that Daniel wasn't just along for the ride. He encouraged this part. Okay. Um, one of his quotes was, feed him wood alcohol cocktails and see what happens. They were just trying to see what he could survive at this point. He didn't die. <laughs> Did he go so, blind? No. This- so so they wait and so they give him a few shots of whiskey and then start pouring him shots of 100% pure wood alcohol. I've never heard of wood alcohol. This seems like something that we should know about. Michael not only didn't notice, but continued to drink it for multiple nights. What the heck? So finally, one night, he passes out. He passes out onto the ground, and they think... This is it. They, they, think, that it, they think that it's this. Um, oh, wait, there is a good quote. Um, the gang watched Wrapped as Michael downed several shots and kept asking for more, displaying no physical symptoms other than those of typical inebriation. Quote, he didn't know that what he was drinking was wood alcohol. And that, and what he didn't know apparently didn't hurt him. He drank all of the wood alcohol he was given and came back for more. Night after night, the scene repeated itself. How do you just, how do you just ignore the rules of these things? Mm-hmm. I like. Mm-hmm. Not only but like he, should that make you blind? Apparently, I just feel like this much. How does that much alcohol not? How does your liver keep up? Like it's you that's and a slow organ. Else has that same question. That you, <laughs> what? I'm. I was surprised when the antifreeze didn't kill him. It's because like, man's got to be so warm too. Because like when you're when you're drunk, you heat up because your mm-hmm. your your liver heats up because it has to work so hard because it's slow. Mm-hmm. Man said to be like the sun when he walked in, like a, a space heater. <laughs> like I just that that blows my mind that that doesn't kill you. Like yeah. that that that's insane that he mm-hmm. is just immune to everything. I need you to know also just to put things into perspective, this is attempt number 2 of 7. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um so spoiler alert. Um but so one day that he's drinking these wood alcohol shots and he passes out ran- really randomly like it wasn't like his usual falling asleep like he crumples to the ground so they think they've done it. Mhm. Like he's unconscious. So Pasqua Francis kneels down and starts like checking his pulse and like listening to him breathe and he's breathing but it's like he's struggling a little bit like it's really labored. And so they decide, like, they've done it. And at this point, it's just a matter of time to wait until he he dies. Mm -hmm. Um, Except that he starts to snore (laughs) and then wakes up a few hours later and asks for more. (laughs) He doesn't even give it time to wake up, like, wear off. Mm -hmm. So the quote was, he wakes wakes up, um, rubs his eyes, and said, Give me some more of the old regular, me lad. (laughs) um yeah <laughs> it's that saying like the best cure for a hangover is getting drunk again mm-hmm. like fraud guys say that to to you know justify their day drinking Morning white claws yeah 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 um this that's this man's whole agenda he's like i'll never be hung over if i'm never not drunk <laughs> constantly 
Um, but yeah, this again is probably because the normal liquor helped negate some of the poisoning, but we really don't know how he survived the wood alcohol. Um, that's kind of up in the air. Um, Tony Maybe had they to were... buy that shit from a hardware store. Like, <laughs> Tony did not get that from the grocery store. Tony got that from Home Depot. Like, <laughs> he, this is not something you should ingest. It's like the equivalent of ingesting gasoline. We do not know how this man is alive. That's insane. I was going to say, like, maybe, because, like, it's the Great Depression. Everyone's mm-hmm. probably watering down everything to mm-hmm. save a penny. But even if you, like, water down glue, I don't know how much of it you could eat before you die. And if <laughs> and 4% also, of it in 4%, a drink yeah. is supposed to make you blind, how are you just <laughs> downing the whole bottle, sleeping it off, and then Multiple asking for bottles. more? Oh, my God. Um. So they get tired again, and they start to poison his food. <laughs> so they start – so Francis has these, this idea because he had seen – you know he's a graveyard keeper he's an undertaker like he works Mm -hmm. with dead people and he had seen that this person had died because they ate oreo or not oreos (laughs) um, oysters and whiskey together and had died so francis was like what if we start to what if we do that and tony's like yeah but we're gonna soak the oysters in straight up denatured alcohol first like (laughs) this man is not surviving they're only making him stronger (laughs) <laughs> they they marinate these oysters in denatured alcohol for days. Like, days. This is shellfish that they are marinating for days in denatured alcohol. And... <laughs> And so they they're giving him shots right of of wood alcohol still. Oh they're, my god! They're not giving him real whiskey anymore. They're giving him like one shot of whiskey and then switching to wood alcohol. And then they give him the poisonous oysters, and he's just eating them. And like he just burps and asks for more. Like, does he do the whiskey too? Like, is it? Because there was the oysters and the whiskey together? Yes, okay. yes. So it's whiskey that they start him drinking, and then the oysters, and then they switch to the wood alcohol. Okay. So it, something should have killed him. Yeah, anything. Nothing. <laughs> Not a single thing. He's fine. Um, so the quote was, Alcohol taken during a meal of oysters, Pasqua was quoted, quoted saying, will almost invariably cause acute indigestion, for the oysters tend to remain preserved, was what Pasqua said. Okay. Um, as planned, Malloy ate them one by one, savoring them uh, in each bite, and washed them down with whiskey and wood alcohol. These things probably tasted like straight up, like peroxide. I was thinking about, you know, the, like, gummy bears that are vodka-flavored. I was like, this is... I know those are nasty, and that's pure sugar. Like... Yeah. Oysters are salty. Yeah, so it's salty alcohol, <laughs> like, squishy grossness. Snot. And you chase it with whiskey and wood alcohol. <laughs> and poison. What do you um, mean? This is crazy. While this is happening, Tony and Francis are playing Pinochle. <laughs> what? And he just keeps eating like they're having a great time. 
Um, and the quote was, at this point, killing Michael was just as much about pride as it was about the payoff. <laughs> That's so funny. But there does start to be, like, a tiny bit of infighting at this point, too, because it's taking so long. So they're having to pay the insurance premiums. <laughs> so they're paying these insurance premiums, and they're in their head, like, it's okay, we'll, we'll pay a few hundred dollars here and there because... Yeah. Because we're going to get $77,000 later. Spend money to make but money. Other people, because there's seven of them. Like That's Francis and Daniel and Tony are really the ones doing the work. But there's seven people that this is going to be split between. And some of them start getting pissed off because they think it's not as much of a payoff as it should be. Yeah. But. I guess you're um, itching for money during the Great Depression. Yeah. So Tony tries again. He opens up a can of sardines and leaves them to rot for a few days. And then they make him a sandwich of the rotting sardines. Only, they started getting real pissed at this dude. They, um, so to top off his sandwich, um, Food Network, you can quote me on this recipe. Um, <laughs> rotten sardines, broken glass, carpet tacks, and the ground shavings of the sardine tin are all in this sandwich yo that's so gross he eats it and asks for another one he knows they're trying to kill him he's completely fine <laughs> like every quote in every article was like yes and he did not blink like this was simply another day for michael malloy like i mean the tax is what's scared like carpet tax or that's mm-hmm. just like a baby nail like, okay, yeah. I've heard of people eating glass. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how it doesn't cut up everything in there. But, like, they're little. I eat glass. Like, yeah, it's that, like, chalk texture. You want that, like, it's mm-hmm. like a, I don't, I don't remember what it's called, but. Pika. Um, how do the tacks not just. C-H-A, I think. I can maybe, maybe, just a little bit understand, like, okay, maybe he has the best organs ever <laughs> and can just process all the alcohol. How do you avoid tax, not puncturing stuff? Mm-hmm. So okay. they're, like, they're hoping that the metal would start to, like, cut his organs up. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't. He's good. He's fine. His body's just so good at repairing itself. So this is when they start to get, like, really worried. Like, it's been a few months at this point, and he's still alive. So they call, like, essentially an emergency meeting where they're like, this, he has to die somehow. <laughs> like, I don't care how we do it, but this guy can't live. Um, so they cite back to the homeless woman. Um, I think I forgot to say her name. It was Maybell, I believe. Um, it's a cool name. Yeah, Maybell Carlson was her name. So they, 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 they're like, well, what if we do that? What if we ice him, leave him in the middle of the street, and let him freeze to death, essentially? What a, like, that's so brutal. Um, but also, like, they have spent a lot of money trying to kill this dude. Like, insurance premiums, they're buying bottles of industrial-strength alcohol, not to mention the sardines and the oysters and also the bottomless tab that this dude has now had for, I think it's four months at this point. Yeah, and he drinks all day, every day. Yeah, because this started in July. 
Um, and we are approaching February. Mm-hmm. I believe this either happens, what I'm about to dictate, happens in either December or January. So July, August, September, October, November, almost half a year that Jeez, they are huh? trying to kill this dude. And they're paying the insurance premiums the whole time. Man. So, they decide to get him drunk and bring him to a park bench in the middle of Crotona Park. It's about a half a mile from the bar. Mm-hmm. Um, they rip off of his clothes, dump five gallons of water on him, and leave him on the bench. They don't even give him a blanket? No. Um, and they think they've done it. They th- He was already unconscious when they left him. Like, there's no way that this man could have survived. Like, essentially pneumonia. Mm-hmm. Um, like, even he can't argue with his body temperature. Except that he shows up uh, in the <laughs> basement of the bar the next day complaining that he's a little chilly. Why the basement? <laughs> so this, what likely happened is that this story got twisted um, over the course of sources because every source kind of played up that, like, and he was already there the next day when Tony showed up. One source said that t- that Michael had walked the half a mile from the park bench to the bar in the middle of the night and that red was closing and let him in and like let him pass out on the floor which honestly is not unlikely um because it's also unclear as to like whether all seven of them participated in every attempt yeah so like red might not have known that they left him on the park bench and was just like ah yeah (laughs) this guy in here to die (laughs) Another version of the story was that he was found on the park bench by police. And in that version, he was taken to a homeless shelter where they gave him new clothes. Um, And then he showed up the next day at the bar. Either way, he was there the next day. It's just like how he got there. Mm -hmm. But I thought it was important to cite this. One of the sources from Wikipedia, because I went to the sources on Wikipedia and read those, um, was this book with the craziest name I've ever heard. (laughs) Okay. The Poisoner's Handbook, Murder and the Birth of Forensic Medicine in the Jazz jazz Age New York. Wild. The Poisoner's Handbook. That's like... Murder and the Birth of Forensic Medicine. (laughs) In Jazz Age, New York. They had to invent forensic medicine to try to figure out what was up with this dude. That title was a three-act play. Yeah, there's... Like... <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was four different attempts, and literally nothing had worked. Jeez. So, they start to get desperate. <laughs> I can imagine. So they bring in another guy. Okay, his name is Hershey Green, which, coolest name. That's a, yeah, that's fun. Hershey as a name, sexy. (laughs) So he's a cab driver, and they hire him to hit Michael with a car. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So they get Michael drunk, take him on a walk, 
and they like stand him in the middle of the road (laughs) it's not funny they stand him in the middle of the road so that her she can run him over that's so (laughs) awful and he's fine so also i think it's important to paint the picture of how they got here so they they got him drunk and then they all like they called the cab and they all get into the back of the cab and they lay michael on the ground at their feet no and then they they get him oh it's not funny it's not (laughs) but like they they park by like an alleyway like there's not too many busy people they get out and they they drag him down the road and hold him up like crucifixion style like one each one of them is holding an arm what um, the heck <laughs> it's not funny but just imagine like you're so desperate for this dude to die that you're literally holding him by the arms in front <laughs> of a car um like i guess they were just planning to jump out of the way at the last second yeah that's an interesting place to but, stand like, what the fuck and I don't, I, like, he lives, because this isn't the last attempt. No, this is not the last attempt. Like, how do you, how do you commit to killing someone, and the only thing getting in your way is you just can't do it? Like, <laughs> right! How do you, how do you mess up running someone over? So, what happens is, they get a little freaked out, because they saw, like, a light. Um, from the corner of his eye it turned out that it was just like a woman turning the light on in her bedroom so like he he had yelled for Hershey to stop driving for a second um and that was who's was his name Joseph Joseph saw the light and was like stop stop there's someone here and uh they stop for a second they get their bearings um and then they do it again so green guns it and attempts to hit him um and michael for the first time in this whole story sobers up just a little bit enough to dodge out of the way and this happens two more times as michael is running from this cab that is trying to run him down in the street and he's just um drunk off his mind he's just dodging like i'm picturing like zelda tuck and rolls like he's yeah he's not getting hit um except that eventually he does get hit the taxi hits him at 45 miles an hour and oh. then backs over him jeez and they leave him there because somebody spooks him but he's on the ground like they're 90 percent sure this guy is dead and they flee and michael doesn't come back okay he he doesn't come back for he doesn't come back the next day or the day after that or the day after that or the day after that he's gone for a full week oh so they think they're they've done it so in this week red starts making phone calls around to hospitals and morgues calling about his brother nicholas Mm mm-hmm and he's describing Michael. He's like, I'm looking for this guy. Uh, he's Irish. And he's my brother. <laughs> and he's 60. No sign of him, though. No newspapers, either. They're looking in the newspapers trying to see, like, has anything mentioned a man being run down in the street? And they are pissed. 
They're pissed. And who comes in a few days later, limping into his favorite speakeasy (laughs) with a fractured skull and a broken shoulder, but in good spirits because he wants to see his friends and get his free quota of booze. His friends. He doesn't remember that they were holding him in front of the car. He does not. He does not. He's like, hey, gang, you'll never believe what happened to me. <laughs> this car. Ted-ass. That's so upsetting that he was just like, where are my buds at? Let's get, let's no, get yeah. the party started. And especially they've been so nice to him, like giving him free booze and food. So he's, he's like, like, he thinks this is like true friendship. He's like, man, no, yeah. they like me. They want to give me the, the drinks. I sweep the alley. It, this whole situation took him out of commission for three weeks. Okay. Like, he, he doesn't remember who tried to run him over. All he remembered was waking up in a warm bed in the hospital and that he wanted to get back to the bar to drink. <laughs> when he walks in, also, I think it's uh, fair to... I love the Smithsonian article was insane. Like, I loved it so much because they had direct quotes. Um, like, they managed to... I don't I don't know how they got these records or if it was from... I, I don't want to spoil it. I don't want to spoil it. But um, when he walks in, he yells, I sure am dying for a drink. <laughs> That's... And I man. know that that hit them too close to home. No, they're blood boiled yeah it's pretty bad um so what a story that he had to tell you know he said he remembered the whiskey he remembered the how cold it was he remembered the car lights but he doesn't remember who it was that's crazy Mm -hmm. it's your, your brain trauma blocks it also yeah getting hit by a car is probably like mm, leave that one over there so now finally they're they're finally successful okay. okay so spoiler alert that this is the one um what they what finally kills michael malloy is not the rat poison <laughs> or the it's wood alcohol the wood alcohol or the carpet tax or being hit by a fucking vehicle going 45 miles an hour and then being backed over like it's none of that what finally kills michael malloy is they bring him to a tenement like an apartment um near 168th street it's less than a mile from the bar um and they run a rubber tube from the gas light fixture into his mouth and they take a towel and wrap it around his face so that he cannot breathe anything but the gas. Um, and he dies. He, they poison him with carbon monoxide, which is finally what kills him. Jesus. Yeah. He was dead within the hour. Okay. And they stayed. Ugh. Like, they stayed to make sure he was dead this time. Yeah. So, Mike, the, Michael the Impenetrable, it took over almost a year for them to finally kill this guy. Jeez. And they think they've done it. I'm sure. They think they've done it. So, Frances has a crooked doctor friend, right? Um, the name, I believe he comes up later, but 
right now. His name is Dr. Frank Manzella. Okay. And Manzella is the one that they get to write the death certificate. So he writes Nicholas Melroy on the death certificate. And um, also that the cause of death was pneumonia. Okay. So with this new death certificate, Red, who is Nicholas's brother and Francis go to cash in these policies finally. Mm -hmm. So they go to Metropolitan Life Insurance first. And what they get is about 800 total. Um, actually, let me look up the inflation calculator by year because I didn't do that one. Um, 1932 and $700 or $800. Excuse me. <laughs> um. Because I also don't know if that's $800 in today. Like, I don't know if they already did the math. Um, divided by seven people. If if they did the inflation, or if they, if they didn't calculate inflation and it was $800 um, divided by seven people, I actually think it's eight people. They get around, like, $2,000 each. Okay. Jeez. So, Murphy read... And Joseph spend their money on new suits. Suits? <laughs> yeah, they get new suits. Um, which I don't know why... I don't know why every article felt the need to include that. That, like, we just know that, like, Red and to like Joseph immediately spent their money and immediately got specifically suits. What um, a weird thing. Like, you just killed a guy and you're like, first purchase I'm going to make is new clothes. No, literally. Um, so... The gang only received $800. If that has been done today... Actually, hold on. There's a picture of the check. What is that number? No, the check's made out to... Oh, I think what that what it means is that they got eight hundred dollars each. Because this there's a picture of the check on the Smithsonian website. It says Metropolitan Life Insurance Company. It's made out to Joseph Melroy for eight hundred dollars. Okay. That's what we know. Anyway. Um so he, so now I'm gonna give you an organized list. Of everything that went wrong. <laughs> okay. Number one. Oh no. They go to collect prudential life insurance. Okay. So they walk in. Um, and it's. I believe it is. Yeah. I believe it's just Francis. Go. To collect the money. Um, from prudential. So they go. He's talking to the agent. He's like, yeah, he passed. We need to cash out the life insurance. He died accidentally. Like, he got pneumonia. We didn't know. And they're like, okay, like, yeah, that's fine. Uh, we'll get the paperwork sorted for you. Um, when can we see the body? <laughs> and Francis is like, what? And they're like, what? And Francis is like, what do you mean? He's already buried. 
<laughs> and they're like, oh, it's fine. We'll have him exhumed. <laughs> and Francis is like, what? What? He's in the ground. <laughs> He's in the ground. And at this point, the police are hearing some rumblings about Michael the Durable. Oh. And when they find out that Michael Malloy is dead, they start to get a little sus. But at this point, police and life insurance haven't talked at all. Okay. The police are independently sussy because one day they're hearing about this guy who can't die. Because also there's, there's like, there were originally seven people involved in this trust, but now you also have the doctor, you have the cab driver, like you have all these people who have been lumped in and are expecting payouts. And half of these people are also like petty criminals. Like they're talking. Mm-hmm. They're not like snitching and by any means. Other but people in that bar that see Michael yeah. all the time and he's like, uh oh, he's gone. Exactly. Like it's not so much as like I'm telling on us more so like um dude, you'll never believe what we're doing at the bar next door. <laughs> like But But the problem now is that they can't collect the life insurance because the body is already buried. So they have him exhumed, May of nineteen thirty three. They had the death certificate written as pneumonia. The autopsy proves that that's not true. Okay. Another fun fact is that Michael Malloy is one of the first bodies ever investigated by the New York City Medical Examiner's Office. Okay. Like, he is part of one of, the, like, the birth of forensic evidence and stuff. Jeez. And then, and then, we get a snitch. Mm. that snitch you guessed it hershey green the (laughs) cab driver he's pissed about his share of the money so he starts going around and telling people and um and then around the same time the police start to put together that tony was the holder of the homeless woman's life insurance okay so they and they're like that's a little suspicious you're doing it again He's doing it again. And then, (laughs) on a completely separate matter that has nothing to do with any of this, is one of those petty criminals from earlier, Tough Tony Maglione, is shot dead by Joseph, the other member of the murder trust. There's infighting. Like, (laughs) they were, like buddies and like involved in i think it was gang shit and tough tony is now dead this is just a (laughs) side quest to them they had all like whole gang lives being led so evidence starts to build up and eventually they're arrested like for (laughs) murder and conspiracy and like all this crazy stuff and everyone faced charges (laughs) Yeah. Like, it wasn't just one or two. It was it was everybody faced charges. Um, and they appear in the Bronx County Courthouse. First, they tried to plead insanity. All of them? Oh yes. It does not work. <laughs> and then they start pointing fingers. They all start turning on each other. Um, and the last defense was to blame it all on Tony Bastone. The one that Joseph Maglione had shot dead. So they're like, yeah, it was, it was all Tony. That's why we <laughs> killed him. 
Um, none of this works, okay? That's... None of this works. Um, so, Francis Pasqua, Tony Marino, Daniel Kreisberg, and Joseph Murray, who is Red, or Murphy, Red Murphy. Okay. Were all tried and convicted of first-degree murder. Yo. The quote from one of the reporters at the time was, perhaps the grinning ghost of Mike Malloy was present in the Bronx County Courthouse. Which, bars. <laughs> um, I was going to say, they, the ghost is probably at the bar. Yeah. Drinking. <laughs> they are all executed in oh. the electric chair, a.k.a. Old Sparky at Sing Sing Prison. And it kills them all on the first try. Why is that chair named? Mm-hmm. The only man who was not killed was Green, was Hershey, who went to jail. Because he, he was the lead, the snitch. Yeah. Okay. Like it was a, like a, a deal, plea deal kind of thing? It was something like that, or they couldn't convict him of like first degree i, I guess believe it was i don't know but it's like, like he did hit someone with the vehicle and it's premeditated i guess it's not premeditated beyond like you get there and you're like i guess i'll do this now i don't know but you're right. being paid to do it like it was organized but he i guess did get life yeah so i feel like i guess you could still i but i guess it's because that didn't kill him like Hitting him with the car is that's not true. Murder. Yeah, so it's attempted murder. Yeah, and he was there, their mole, not mole, but like he yeah. led them to it. So it's like you comply, you get a lighter sentence. And also, Doctor Menzella was held as an accessory to murder, um, but he was he got out on a, a ten thousand dollar bail. Jeez, but like they were all executed. That's crazy. No, yeah. But, no, I really liked the quote. Like, the grinning ghost of Mike Malloy was present in the Bronx County Courthouse. I like, Because you know he was. I <laughs> like the, the, that they attempted seven different ways to kill them, and then seven of them were. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess one of them was shot before, but. They when all, I read all that, seven I, of them wind up dying. It was like a dying. jump scare. Like, when I read that, it was like a jump scare. Because the reason, so only four of them are put. There were seven total. Mm-hmm. Only four of them were tried for the chair, right? Yeah. One of them was shot dead. The other one was tried and convicted for his murder, not Michael's. Oh. Did that make sense? <laughs> I see now. So that... Yeah. Joseph Maglione was tried and put to death for the murder of Tony Bastone. Yeah. Okay. So all of them did end up either in prison or dead it's just that only joseph was not held for this situation it was just like he and tony had beef like yeah just like some side plot what like right. yeah i guess and they were they, like partners i guess if they're already putting him to death it's one of those things like you don't want to waste court time to like yeah do a whole nother trial just to get another death sentence Right, because they were put to death in the electric chair. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, like Green was Green got jail. Um, the doctor was an accessory. 
the f- the only person who I don't think ever faced any charges was all of like Francis's friends who were involved, like the guy he had to verify the death certificate and all all of Francis's little underground situation. None of them were ever tried, but everyone they else probably was. didn't give names and stuff. No. And none of the articles even knew who they were. It was just like yeah, yeah. one of Francis's friends. Francis had a. So, uh, he had someone. He had a guy. That's what I was trying but to the say. article is insane. Like it has their mugshots. It has the picture of Tony's bar. Here, I'll send them in the Discord. Um, but like that, that's Tony's bar. Whoa. Um, this is the check for the insurance. I'm going to put these in the Google Drive. So they got eight, they split that $800? I think. That's still unclear to me. Um, That's the four of them in court. That's a New York Times article. Um, Where are their mug shots, though? Um, because we have Tony's mugshot and we have Francis's mugshot. Oh, I also have a picture of dead Michael if you want to see that. That's Tony. The and name, that's the Francis. The, on the article, the like headline name is so long. Mm hmm. That's Tony and Francis. They're um, just like they. I forgot you said they're like twenty year olds. Like that, mm-hmm. they're somewhere in their twenties. They're 20s. young. That's crazy. This article is titled uh, "Mike Malloy was very durable. Uh, his killers were very sloppy." I mean, yeah, they they were literally. The I mean, they Mike were trying Malloy. so hard in the beginning to make it look like as accident as possible but when you just lie about how he died that's gonna no yeah they got sloppy and like and i guess since this is where forensics is starting before Mm -hmm. that you know you could say it's pneumonia and then there's no way to check like they wouldn't even worry about doing an autopsy because they didn't forensic medicine isn't really in practice but then it started with them so they had no they weren't thinking like we now are like duh you wouldn't lie about how they died right but that happened no, all that's the an time point. back then. I didn't so they're even like think about it that way. That's so weird. Oh, I also forgot to mention that there was a side plot at some point where they got so irritated with the failure of killing Michael that they were like, "Fuck it, we're killing a different homeless dude, and we're gonna call him Nicholas." And they couldn't kill the other homeless dude either. Like okay, so they were the problem. getting so they were getting so irritated that they were not just not thinking. Like but no, fuck them. I love Michael. He just wanted friends. It made me so sad when he was like, I just no, wanted that to hit. see my friends and drink some beer and I was like, Michael, they're trying to kill you, sweetie. Like <laughs> leave. No, the bar tab so comes with you survive a car accident and you like go through this grueling recovery and you're finally back to like 
in working order and you're like i'm gonna go see my friends today go like check in with them because it's been a while and, and it's don't the even dude trying to kill you oh but no i love him and it, it makes me sad too because like we don't even know michael's birthday like we yeah. know nothing about him it was just yeah they were just picking on some homeless guy yeah which is so messed up like he did like yeah to to just off him so you can have more money because mm-hmm. you can't it's the great depression i get it like even if you were a halfway decent businessman your business is struggling when the entire nation is struggling but to be like i'll throw away this guy's life yeah to better mine and he had already done it to a different homeless person yeah and like that's the thing that really hit me hard about this because like so often killers like that do start with homeless people it's always like homeless people or prostitutes or like people that you aren't gonna remember and it's like fuck you not only did we remember him but there are smithsonian articles about how terrible you guys are so fuck off like yeah we we talked about it with the chessboard killer who was like picking off the homeless people Mm. in the park and he got away with it so long because most of his first victims were these homeless guys that yeah. nobody knew where they were anyway. You know, like, it was nobody who had tabs on them. So you're just, that like... That episode infuriated me. Oh, my gosh. I still... I was ranting about that the other day to someone mm-hmm. with how many times the police were just like, mm, you're the problem. Go home before we call the cops on you. Right. It's like, you it are the cops. Okay. Insanity. No, that's... Well, no, that's uh, Michael Malloy. Mike the Durable. I want to know how he survived everything it's, isn't that such an insane story though like it sucks that like that was the start of autopsies and stuff or not maybe mm-hmm. not autopsies but like forensically checking that kind of stuff out because we probably could have like figured out now more of like how his body put up with that or maybe yeah. they just like I, I don't know like stuff could be construed through the ga- grapevine but like i don't know I get, but like, they were also tried. Like, this did go to court. No, no, I believe it happened. I'm just saying, like, we don't know exactly. You know, people could have exaggerated how much of this wood alcohol he had per yeah, night or something. True. So, like, it, it, we can't get the exact amounts that he had. So we'll never really know, like, oh, they just didn't give him enough. Or they did, mm-hmm. and he should be dead, but he wasn't yet. <laughs> right. Like, we, we won't ever get the nitty-gritty of that. and That's just so interesting to me. Mm-hmm. No, like, like, the fact that he really put up with all that is insane. I can maybe see, like, you know, your body does, like, you handle alcohol better if you, like, have it more often, I guess. Like, you learn to hold it better. Mm-hmm. But, like, that's an insane amount. No, yeah. To be... And not poison. Like, they literally fed him antifreeze, too. But there are people like that where, like, you, they have alcohol day in, day out. Mm-hmm. like it's a i can understand like three days of extreme dumping alcohol into him probably didn't kill a yeah guy who's been drinking his whole life all day every day right but the <laughs> when you get into the poison and the anti industrial alcohol oh let's google will rat poison kill me will rat poison kill me Oh, that was poison control. (laughs) 
Eating rat poison is extremely dangerous and can lead to internal bleeding, organ failure, paralysis. Is rat bait dangerous to humans? Technically, yes, rat poison can kill humans. However, it will generally not kill healthy adults unless you consume an excessive amount. Okay. I want to know why, though. How much rat poison is dangerous to humans? Body, weight, age all plays a role. Small children shouldn't. People with liver problems could be seriously harmed. So, yeah, he definitely should have died by it then. Maybe his liver was just yoked. Like... Oh, but I also sent you the picture of the room. The the arrow is the light fixture that they hooked him up to. That's I'm it. Gonna like, if to you consume an, a, an accidentally consuming rat poison, probably won't kill you. You'll just get sick. I think is what I remember hearing. Yeah, it's like even a surprising amount, you'll probably just get really sick. Um, but, like, we'll recover, because it's not like a snowball. Like, once you give a rat rat poison, their health just, like, snowballs until they die. Yeah. But that makes sense. It's just because we're bigger. I For some yeah, reason, I thought it, like, processed different in the two things. I remember it's a, I'm going to check my notes after, later, when I'm studying, because I remember in one of my classes, we talked about... It might not have been rat poison then, but it was something that it like worked different. So it was like it'll mm-hmm. kill this thing, but not us because of this one thing. And I was like, why? <laughs> that scene in Ratatouille traumatized me. Right? When Dad That's... showed him the other oh rats. I, I just opened our Google our email for the episode Google Drive. The last folder in there is episode 21 through 30. Oops. This is this is episode 60. Yeah. We have like 30 episodes worth of shit to catch up on. That's how I started. The last one in here is episode 28. <laughs> That's why I've started saying like if you're curious about something, you will get it so much faster if you message us on something. Whether it be our Discord, which will probably be the fastest way to get it. But, like, if you're curious about something in an episode, find a TikTok and comment on it or something. Because, as just just stated, we are... I'm going to catch up on mine today. <laughs> I'm going to... I might not catch up on all of them, but I'll put the Michael Malloy stuff in there at least. Because the, the check is insane. Like, the fact that we have that is crazy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, are you ready for an intermission? I'm down. Okay. And intermission. Did I show you my little cows? (laughs) I like them. They were from a mystery pack. Like, Lux got four of them and gave me two, and I just so happened to get the black cow and the pink cow. That's so funny. And I opened the black cow first, and I was like, oh, my fucking God, it's a little cow, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then I opened the pink one and lost my fucking mind. <laughs> what are the odds? What are the odds I would get two different perfect cows? <laughs> perfect. 
and we're back welcome back to the podcast podcast i might leave the bit about the cows in i think that's that's fair we'll decide later you can just like cut it and like put it (laughs) after the and we're back and then just like make it awkwardly spliced in i leave it and then leave the delayed and we're back (laughs) so like at first everybody's like did they mean to do that until they get to this point and they're like oh no it was intentional yeah yeah anyway or they have no idea what we're talking about yeah because it's cut out yeah we leave them in the dark what are we talking about these are all good options what cow Okay, I threw my highlighter across my room on accident, (laughs) so I was sitting here like, just, I don't have a highlighter to show anymore, (laughs) but, oh, just like doing this with the pen, and it just, Mm -hmm. which is probably a good thing, so I don't like hit stuff with it the whole time I'm trying to read. No, it'd be funny. It'd be fun. It is like over there now, so. What's your story today? Other. Ugh. It's not. It's not bad. Not good episodes. <laughs> I feel like this one. I don't know. It's nothing too crazy. It's nothing like I tell you. Didn't you say that about Hollow Earth? Did I? Because that's a bold <laughs> statement. <laughs> I just lied to you. <laughs> it was one of those in that period. It was like Hollow Earth um dinosaurs aren't real or scientology (laughs) you started one of those episodes off with like it's not that bad (laughs) and then rocked my shit for an hour like (laughs) now this one it like is it's not conspiracy in that regard like total disregard of science it's more like conspiracy against other people conspiracy is it the moon landing is fake no i i'm so excited to do that one though (laughs) I've saved so many TikToks recently. I'm like, Mac ain't ready. Oh my god. Um, is it like a big one? No, it's uh something I I mentioned in another episode, and then I was like, I'll eventually come back and do it. Lizard people? No. You see, you're you're in like conspiracy conspiracy world. I don't know. I've just, I just talked about it too, so, like, it was pretty brief, but in the, the Grand Canyon episode, I talked about that massacre, and that it had a lot <gasps> of, like, government stuff going on, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna do that, just so I, oh, nice. cause it's kind, I don't know, I don't want to get too far away from that episode, cause I'm gonna mm-hmm. kind refer of, back to it. yeah, I, like, briefly go over some of that stuff, so I don't want it to be, like, awkwardly far apart, Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, let, let me just like get this off my head now, because I kept going back to the Wikipedia page and reading. So I was like, let me just get the, let me just type it all up before I forget yeah. everything. So I'm gonna do that, but more in depth. So some of this you've already heard before. Okay. And it's from that episode. We're gonna go Solid. into like the happenings of it. Um, the good happenings. But yeah, so if you haven't seen that episode, or just as a refresh. Between <laughs> September 7th and 11th in 1857, over 120 people were killed in the event known as the Mountain Meadows Massacre. So, all of these people were part of, we talked about it, in like an immigrant train known mm-hmm. as the Baker Fancher Party. 
it's like Oregon Trail vibes of like mm-hmm. a train, not a choo-choo train, but a train of like people in wagons with like mm-hmm. cattle and stuff moving with them. Um, and it's a big move across the country. So like they're bringing everything with them. So wagons bogged down with stuff, bunch of cattle being marched. I'm getting mm-hmm. a phone call. Back at it. Damn, Daniel. Back at it again with the white veins. Okay, so the train. They're moving. It's it's safety in numbers kind of vibe. Like, if we mm-hmm. all go at once, we can all help each other and people will be less likely to pick on us kind of thing. Right. This group specifically was coming from Arkansas. Mm-hmm. And their destination was Southern California. So okay. a long, okay. long, long, long trip. Uh, it was led by Alexander Fancher, which is where the one of the names come from. Uh, mm-hmm. And this was his third time leading a train down this route. So not the Damn. same people, but like he was just like impressive. Yeah, you're like how you have train conductors. He's the conductor of this walking train, and mm-hmm. it like that was a business during this time period. Like since so mm-hmm. many people wanted to move out west. Yeah, these people that were experienced knew the passes, knew like where to be, where to restock. Mm-hmm. Like they knew all that, so they made a bunch of money by just being tour guides, pretty much, and yeah. and and leading people to where they want to be. Not a bad business model. No, it's super smart. They made a lot of money, and this train particularly was well off. Like well off mm-hmm. people were moving. Um, so it's known for being well equipped, carefully planned out, like safe train to be on. And the families were usually like had a little bit more money than your average family at the time, I guess. Like this was yeah. one of the top trains to be on or in, I guess, uh, to move this far. Mm-hmm. Um and they also grew along the way. So, like, while most of them, it started in Arkansas, and so most of the people are from Arkansas, they would also have people, like, towns they passed through would join the train later. Um, mm-hmm. Probably not haphazard. Like, they probably wouldn't be like, hey, the train's in town. You want to just move to Southern California? Like, they were probably... <laughs> these were established routes, and they went once a year. Mm-hmm. So you just, like, wait for the next year. If you, like, oh, man, like, okay, y'all are coming back next year. I'll join next year. So you have people you joining at all California? stops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so um, I just think that's so interesting. Like the Oregon Trail of like, it takes so long to, to move mm-hmm. that far now. Like, yeah, I did the, the, the drive from Louisiana to Arizona, mm-hmm. which is a little shorter. Like I was right almost in California. I was on the border. And right. it took us two days by car. Yeah. These are Probably. wagons. <laughs> like, you have to stop and have your, your horses and cattle rest. So how long would that walk take on foot? Uh, months? Yeah. I, I saw something that said, like, three or four months, depending on, like... Damn. Res- and you can't move fast. Like, you're no, lugging you, cargo. Yeah. So it's you're just slow, steady... <laughs> and that's like insane. there's points in here's where they would have to stop for a week like set up little camps just so the the cattle could graze and mm-hmm. 
um, people could not be on a wagon all day every like you had to sleep yeah. and you'd get worn out so it was like it's a long long trip with a lot of stops um so they are leaving arkansas they pass a lot of places pick a lot of people up their plan like normal is to restock restock in salt lake city like the party okay. has always done um because it can the the journey gets a little less like you're going through towns after that this is like newer territories you don't have as many populated places so they'd be very particular about where they stopped and salt lake city was a big stop like this is one of our their big refuels um love salt lake utah though is not a state at this point this is still like territories of states yeah. Uh, so we're we're working with the Utah Territory. Anytime I say Utah, it's a, just like a territory. Yeah. Um, the idea of a state. That's the name of this week's episode. <laughs> a vague semblance of a state. Uh, that's the name of this week's episode. <laughs> they're uh, they're on the brink of war. Utah? Yeah. This is the <laughs> Utah war that I didn't know was a thing. Um, what the. F- fuck utah had a war that wasn't in the book of mormon like right right we do we talk a lot about the mormons too like it's this is mormons versus the united states government is pretty much what i'm gonna tell you about (laughs) what what that was not on my not that that was not on my podcast bingo card this year i want to make one of those like just try to see if i can think of some should for 2023 yeah, that'd be fun. Um, it's a bingo card. So, yeah, this, the territory, okay, let me let me back up. So, okay. they're on the brink of war. A lot of tension has been rising between um, what is, like, a Mormon-led territory and the United States government, and we'll get into some mm-hmm. of the issues in a second, but this was kind of not as widespread you know like it not everyone Mm -hmm. in the states especially at this time when news travel so slow you don't really get um you don't really know what's going on in the other areas you know you're worried about what you're doing so a lot a lot has changed even in just a year since fancher had last led people through this territory yeah so because the mormons are at war yeah they're like it's crazy how 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 much that changes things um, mm-hmm. for them. It like it throws a lot of curveballs. Um, let me. I disappeared for a second. Let me plug in my iPad real quick. So. Utah Territory. Okay. They are, at this point in time, under, like, a theocratic rule. So, like... Utah? The Territory. What? How? So How? It's, it's, it's pretty much like a Mormon-led state. So, like, <laughs> Mormon... It is the Mormon state. So How could they our do territory. that, though? Because it's not, you know, like, it, it, it's, it's like... Who how, owns the territory right now? 
them. They do. Utah? Utah owns <laughs> itself. It's like how Texas owned you. We annex these territories in because they are established places, but they're not established by us. You know, it's the same That's- thing like Louisiana was well, French and a billion other things a billion different times. French, Spanish, then French again. Until it was ours. So, like, we have different people ruling it. This one just so happens to be not any other country, but the Mormons. They got there first, and the Mormons made it their own. Thing. The fact that it's just collectively, like, the Mormons decided that that's what they were doing. Yeah, because it, like, so it was started up in the Salt Lake area, Salt Lake City area. And, like, you had people out there, but it wasn't really under any... I don't know, it's just kind of vague. I, like, don't understand all of that, but at this point in time, it's under a theocratic rule led by Brigham Young. Uh, and it's That name is familiar. Yeah, he was kind of a big guy, a leader. He leads the Mormon state. Like, he is in charge of the Mormons. Um, and I didn't realize the Mormons had lore. Right? I didn't realize they had their whole, not a state, but a territory. They have their own little, like, designated land and there's a lot i just thought they were there they like no i did at some point um and during the time right before the party was heading this way to salt lake city to the utah territory the mormon religion was going through an aggressive reformation Mm -hmm. so teachings are very dramatic there was a lot of like heavy prosecution from america at this point um and many Mormons wanted revenge and justice for being wronged. A lot of the stuff they were fighting Who about the Mormons. Uh, the biggest upset is the killing of Joseph Smith, the guy who started it all. The Mormon, yeah, yeah, and Parley Pratt, which is was a huge like prophet, I guess you could say, like a big religious leader, not the top of the top, but like a big guy who traveled and like gave talks and okay. a well liked Mormon like head figure kind of guy and his they name had name is parlay that's french yeah i guess like i mean there's french people in the country at this point you know we yeah i guess <laughs> like i am hard, having a hard time wrapping my head around the mormons continue the the government in mormon utah territory were never really on the greatest of terms and we're <laughs> like already going downhill First of all, America just wants all the territories in the area. They're just trying to annex everybody and um, take all the land from anyone and everyone. Um, At this time, we still have, like, native tribes here. Like, it's Mm -hmm. not just the Mormon people. Um, And, uh, you know, America's whole thing was just extend westward. So Mm -hmm. that's one reason they're just like, we want this land. Uh, Other reasons were stuff like polygamy was frowned upon is frowned upon still by the Wait, isn't that their whole mo though yeah <laughs> that's what i'm saying like they, they they just didn't get along ever because the mormons are over here like i can have as many wives as i want most of these guys had like 50 wives um and the government is saying no you can't do that but we're not in charge of you um But things really heat up when this, like, aggressive reformation starts to happen. They start having priests and stuff go around and, like, spread these really aggressive, really, like, anti-America things. And it kind of, like, 
just upsets people enough that mm-hmm. war is imminent at this point. They're like, America has said, like, we don't agree with what you're doing. We are taking the territory. Kind of, kind of dealio. Mm-hmm. Um, so... The area is super polarized. I mean, mostly Mormons here, so they're not, like, polarized with everyone in the town, but they're polarized with everyone surrounding them, like, all the territories and states in the general area. They become very, like, superstitious and, like, fall into hysterics, pretty much, because war is imminent. Like, people are are coming to get them. Um, So the Mormons are angry. (laughs) And they... They, um, yeah, so they just get really, really self-preservation-y. They're very okay. much like, don't let anyone in. Don't trust anyone. It's very... Don't let anyone into Utah. Yeah, they were like, <laughs> locked the state down territory. I mean, that's, <laughs> that's like Texas being like, no one can come in or out. Didn't Texas do that? Yeah, <laughs> and that's crazy. Like, how can you? We how can you just get to decide that? Like, I mean, if, who, if who's who locks down the border? Like, if they're in territory, I get like it's uh, imperialism. But I guess we can once you're a territory and we're a territory country, mm-hmm. we can fight even though you're one tenth the size. <laughs> um. But yeah, Jesus. before long, a quarter of the U.S. Army was on the way to take down the Mormon Utah Territory. <laughs> Once and for all, they a were they quarter? were wiping, yeah a quarter of the entire U.S. Army. That's twenty five percent. Yeah, twenty five percent of the army was sent to take over Utah. Um. <laughs> And the Mormons are rightfully terrified. Priests and prophets begin telling terrifying prophecies of invasions that lead to apocalypses and stuff like that. Uh, They thought this was the devil coming to take away their paradise. And, like, their whole, like, belief is that... Their paradise is Utah? Is Salt Lake City, yeah. Um, (laughs) And (laughs) so, like, in their belief, paradise is destined to survive Judgment Day. Like, they think... Mm. That if you're in this area following these beliefs and keeping paradise a paradise, you that area will be saved. Like in some Mormon or Mormon-esque teachings, like stuff derived from Mormonism, you see like the whole pieces of land are apparently going to be lift from earth before it's destroyed. Kind of like Whoa. paradise saved. So they think this is the devil coming to take paradise. They're like, this is it. This is judgment day. <laughs> wow. This um, is insane so people are like super super scared and angry yeah so like everyone ever that like they've ever all their powerful figures in their life are saying the world's ending you know like that's super you have nowhere else it's the it's 1850 like you have no other source to check that with like this is your only source of news so everyone's scared everyone is is like hysterics level the world is ending um so they were being told by the church that the government wasn't just coming to take the territory either but like that they planned to wipe out the mormon population 
Like they were here. They thought it was a genocide? They thought it was the devil coming to like wipe out the Mormons from being able to escape his wrath or whatever. You know, like they're, this is a very serious thing for them. Um, uh, you know, which wasn't exactly true. Like Mormons might have died if there was war conflict. But, um, you know, that's what the leaders of the church and the theocracy are saying. Is like, they're mm-hmm. here to wipe you and your family and everyone you know off the face of the earth. So, Utah is very serious at this point. Um, that's the name of this week's episode. Utah is very <laughs> serious. It's a very, very intense place to exist. The uh, prophecies <laughs> said that this battle would last seven years. So Mormon, Years. so Mormon leaders told everyone to start stockpiling everything. Is this why Utah is all doomsday preppers? You, I mean, it could stem from this because they stockpile everything, especially grain. So like grain for cooking, grain for feeding mm-hmm. cattle, grain for anything. They're told to, they're like, you know, use grain sparingly to feed your cattle, like use other stuff. Uh, they were so serious about this. Like some leaders were telling people to sell their clothes to buy more grain to stockpile and so people were selling furniture like everything out of their house of course they had stuff to wear like everyone wasn't walking around naked but they would sell like Mm -hmm. other outfits and stuff or like it was intense people were anywhere and they could get their hands on grain they were getting it trading for it outside before they kind of like huddled up and locked themselves in but yeah, very doomsday preppy, save everything. Um, another rule, which makes sense, is to not trade it, but it's to not trade it especially with people going through. So <gasps> immigrants and stuff, they like not at all. Don't even consider it. Um, because it's you need it for everything. Yeah, they were like, if you're going to trade it, trade it within the territory. You know, they were, like, frowning against trading it at all, but they're, like, mm-hmm. you can trade it to your neighbors, like, keep it in the town. Do not let it leave the territory kind of thing. Um, Whoa. So they also, at this point, start to pull some of the farther towns within the territory, like, pull the people out of them. They're mm-hmm. they're trying to concentrate their people a little bit more so pull everyone kind of closer to the heart of the territory which is salt lake city so you have a lot of towns like getting people just moved people were like okay war's coming i guess i'll just move my whole life and would move from the far towns to the closer ones it wasn't not everyone was in salt lake city it's just like the really far outstretched ones kind of come inwards so this feels like a dystopian novel right why did nobody talks about that utah had this whole drama series we just skipped the cool parts of history and history class but yeah so utah the territory kind of shrinks almost they just concentrate Mm -hmm. they want to have hands on deck not be like spread thin so everyone just kind of moves in a little bit um the farthest territories were now only 300 miles away from like each other that was like the farthest distance so we have a super concentrated area um and it the farthest two towns happen to be um hello what what um is everything okay yeah okay yeah it is 
I thought my iPad wasn't charging for a second. It was like, it's plugged in. Um, <laughs> so, okay, the two towns that were the farthest are the ones in the Mountain Meadow area, which is what the massacre is named after. So we'll come back to that, though. Okay. Um, in August, a month before the train was going to arrive, martial law is declared in the Mormon Utah Territory. So, like, right before they get here, things are really coming to a a head. They're getting super shut down. The borders are closed (laughs) to the Utah area. And uh, it becomes illegal to move through the state without a permit. But the problem was that this decree had not gone public yet and doesn't go public until, like, some point in September. If you remember, the massacre happens on September 7th. Mm -hmm. So... The party had no clue of these issues until they got there because they left way before this. It's not like they can turn around halfway. You know, they've been on the road for a while already. Um, Bro, you said martial law and my body took a screenshot. Yeah. Like, like, (laughs) what? What? Um, So they don't have a permit. And, like, Utah's saying you have to have a permit to move through the state and you got to get a permit from the utah government do we need to explain what martial law is do people know that is that common knowledge yeah i feel like it is okay that's fine okay i don't it's just like the 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 government can to keep you safe in war times can kind of like make instantaneous decrees and yeah yeah, whatever like curfews are set in place it's very like military state yeah 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 um so Yeah, the party gets there, or, like, starts getting there, and they're like, oh, we don't have a Utah permit. What do we do? Like, we've been on the road for ever already. You know, like, we're almost there. We can see California. Mm -hmm. Um, And... We can see California. (laughs) So, you know, there's not many options, and no, like, guaranteed safe pass is made available. It's not like as soon as they cross over the border, they're attacked, but nobody in utah could guarantee or would guarantee that they were safe it was like you could get mm. in trouble for this at any point like some people just kind of ignored it other people were like you might get in trouble um Warning, but it's not like yeah. they're attacked right when they get to utah or anything um but they have the state does not grant them any our territory doesn't grant them any sort of safe passage. yeah they're like whatever happens happens it's war it's Utah the fact war. That just Utah is a military state at this point <laughs> yeah. is insane. And it's like, all Mormons. Like <laughs> the fact that Utah in this period of time is straight up a Mormon military state is the <laughs> most insane thing I think you've ever talked about on this podcast. It's up there with Hollow Earth. Oh it's no. It's up there with dinosaurs are fake. <laughs> okay. Like, I didn't think it was as crazy as those. No. That maybe not the massacre, but Utah becoming a military. (laughs) Yeah, now that I'm saying some of this out loud, I'm like, wow, this is wild. But (laughs) the side plot of this episode, um, like this, I just couldn't stop thinking about this. I was like, I have to understand like what the heck was happening with Utah because the words Utah War were thrown at me, and I was like, there's a Utah War. (laughs) Okay, fine. Um. 
so the train is surprised by this when they get to Utah, <laughs> and Utah's apparently at war. Um, <laughs> and they're also unable to really resupply because no one would trade with them because they're mm-hmm. stockpiling all the resources. Um, so for the reckoning, this train for is Judgment Day. This train's also seen as like it's normally a great business business bringer. You know, you have all these people coming in with a bunch of stuff to trade, needing stuff, like, a lot of people in the, the Utah Territory relied mm-hmm. on that kind of business of people traveling through to get more stuff. Like, you're trading the grain you've been harvesting, and you, you get whatever these people have. And so... Right. You... That's completely stopped. The train is so used to, like, this being a normal interaction, but these people that are normally seen as, like, friends and business people and... Tra- mm-hmm. Like, we can trade are seen as enemies and outsiders. <gasps> like, you, you, they just have a very bad, the Mormons see them in a very bad light now, even though they used to be like, wow, the, the immigrant trains are but, coming. Like, yeah. we can, this is business. It was very much like rumors were spread around these people, and like, people would just be mad at them for existing because they're so mm. scared of all these you know all the prophecies were like the people are coming to infiltrate our lands like they don't respect Mm. our lands so then you have people marching right on through it and you're like you don't respect our lands so very hostile environment when you're expecting the normal like resupply everybody's nice area um the hysterics are are bad by the time the party got there because not only do you have a quarter of the U.S. Army on the way. You have, like, these... I forgot about the U.S. Army. <laughs> I forgot that the U.S. Yeah, Army they're marching. the other side character. And, you know, like, they... The party... The train has some of this information, but, you know, they're moving, so the news they've heard is very pinpointed. Like, you'll mm-hmm. be in a town for a little while and maybe hear something, but then you go a while where you're just walking on the road. And right. you get to the next town... And something else and has happened. And Utah is a military state. And you get to the next town, and apparently you're not supposed to cross the border. And the army <laughs> is on the way. Yeah. So these people are kind of thrown into the fire. And um, they had apostles telling people to be prepared to burn down their own homes and towns to defend, like, their sacred lands and paradise and their religion. They, they had people ready to, like, throw it all away uh, by the time the party's marching through. Oh um, so if you That's remember intense. our man from the Canyon episode, who mm-hmm. Emma Lee, like the two named Emma is her first name, mm-hmm. Lee the last name, she uh, was the one telling, like, her husband had this unfortunate death and he was really put to death for being a bad person. Uh, right. This is where he comes in. John D. Okay. Lee. Uh, this is the crossover. He was one of these people making a lot of these tours, like going around telling people like be pre- like this is war, be prepared to like sacrifice your homes and your families for the cause pretty much. Like he's one of these people traveling with these priests and high up theocratic leaders to like pretty much make these people go crazy. Bonkers. Um he is also one of the men responsible for telling the native tribes to be afraid of these outsiders coming in. So not only is he rallying up the Mormon people, but he's going to native tribes and being like, these people mm. that are coming through, aren't they're here to hurt us. They're not like the other guys that have been here right. before. Like, 
be prepared because people are coming to hurt all of us. Right. Um, but he's not doing it as like a for your religion. He's doing it as like a he wants, they're gonna come violence. Like, yeah, yeah. Be afraid of them. Yeah, yeah. they're they're gonna be like initiating stuff and they can blame it on the native tribes and stuff like that, which we talked about in the last episode and becomes a huge mm. issue later on in this story. Um, like I said a second ago, we have a lot of people really afraid of the immigrant train. And this causes people um, to start rumors and start all these bad mm. tales. So this this train that's normally known as a super well-behaved, super well-off family, is like super courteous, does business well, like isn't like sneaky, outlawish vibes. Right. That's the rap they've usually been given. And it's been, it's one of the best trains, one of the most profitable trains in the country. Like this is not just some like ragtag they're rolling through the area this is a very established thing led by a guy who's super serious about this whole business deal um what gets said in the territory though is all these people like shit talking them pretty much and starting all these terrible rumors uh one of the worst ones was that the party had poisoned a lake in the territory (gasps) and it was killing oxes um uh and they the mormon people were saying that they had done this to kill the tribes so they were going to the tribes saying like they poisoned your lake that killed your ox and like they were trying to kill you but like this isn't documented anywhere this is like widely regarded as just a rumor by historians now but it was used to like infuriate the Mormon people and, like, tribes and stuff. It was, like, a, um, they were just making stuff up to make these unproblematic people be the enemy. Um, and they, they... That's intense. Yeah, they're just kind of... It's a lot of, like, the Mormons controlling the scene, too, because they say that to the natives like oh my god they're like trying to poison you to rile them up but then the mormons turn around and blame all of this on the natives at some point the massacre and stuff they Mm -hmm. they turn around and say like oh this is all their fault like we didn't do anything when they were masterminding and lying and like doing the whole thing um so like yeah they just wanted to demonize the party to everyone um, and they told people, like, these people were super anti-Mormon, like, if they march through your town, like, don't even talk to them because they hate our people, which just wasn't the case. These people right. were ready and willing to trade in these areas, and no one would let them. Um, yeah. so... That's a little dramatic. The train is moving really quickly through this area because they can't get supplies anywhere, so, you know, there's no reason to stop because it's not like you can go into a town and trade. Um, and they eventually get to the Meadow Mountain area. That, mm-hmm. like I said, is housed. Oh, yeah, that house, the two farthest Mormon settlements. So they've made it a decent ways through, just kind of like trucking it along. Um, but these areas have only, the rumors get there before the people do. Right. So by the time the people get here, all the bad things have been said. All the bad things have reached this area. So these two towns that are on either side of the meadow and you have the people in the middle of the meadow really are afraid of and don't like these people who have done nothing wrong. Um, Literally nothing. So 
the party gets here and realize that they're they're kind of by towns but like if like something were to go wrong but they have this like meadow area to graze so they're like let's rest here we have a, a grueling rest of the walk so they plan to stay here for a week in the meadow um like i said great grazing land uh Mm -hmm. and you've been struggling to feed your cattle the whole time because the grain is the hottest commodity in all of utah um so like they're kind of forced to stay here episode is the hottest commodity (laughs) in all of utah grain that's what they called me in prison (laughs) (laughs) dude what a name the hottest the hottest commodity in all of utah so they're only here for like three days though but on september 7th the group is attacked by the mormon militiamen dressed as natives (gasps) no yeah so some of the tribe members actually joined in like they were you know the mormons were telling them be scared of these people and they were so they join in um Mm -hmm. it's the oh i don't know how to say it the pirates tribe specifically might have missaid that but uh just like a local tribe in the territory um and the guys dress as them it was this huge thing they sent a letter off to salt lake city where the theocracy is kind of like based in and they're like Mm -hmm. we have the people coming what do we do and they don't hear back so they take that as a sign to attack Mm -hmm. um the the party actually do some really smart things here like i said they were well equipped so like they they were they had safety on the brain um and so they take their wagons and make a giant circle around Mm -hmm. the camp um they chain them together like chain the wheels together dug trenches filled the wagons with dirt to weigh them down um so they had this huge barricade of wagons made around their what wind up being their like little their battle spot the spot they're defending that they were just sitting there to rest um right and this went on for five days and you can already imagine, like, food, water, ammo, grain was already hard to find because no one would trade with them. So by five days, they're running low on everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and during this time, the Mormon militia was starting to panic because some of the people, like, had gotten close. So they're like, what if they saw white dudes? Like, what if they're able to say, like, it wasn't just the natives? Because they're banking yeah. on, like, just blaming this all on the blaming native tribes. Um, so at this point the hysteria of the war and the hysteria of like oh my god they're gonna know it was us they decide at this point that they should kill them all um and their only exception is the young children so what (laughs) yeah they just leave all the little kids um that makes it worse yeah oh my god it's so aggravating i'll talk about it but uh what they do is like a trojan horse kind of vibe they approach the party with a white flag pretty much saying they surrender and like he surrendered to what like well, they're not doing anything to y'all exactly well they're like fighting off the tribe like they've been fighting in like you know but behind their wagon barricade um but he, they go and dressed as the militia men this time like they're not dressed mm-hmm. as natives so they're saying like we made a truce like we talked to the tribe we got them to chill out like we were your friends we saved you like oh my God. we calmed the tribe down and it's unclear if they like knew this was lying but they needed food and stuff so they had yeah. to kind of go along um so part of this also to get the tribe to actually stop attacking they they promised the tribes that they, the 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 
they would give the people their livestock or take the livestock from the immigrants and give it to the tribe, if that makes sense. Uh-huh, the militiamen yeah. go up to the tribe and, like, we'll give you their cattle if you, like, chill out. Like, leave them alone. Yeah. Um, and it was mostly the militiamen attacking anyway. So, but anyway, the party's upset that they lose all their livestock, but they're like, look, we're going to, like, it's over. There's a truce. Um, so the, the militiamen say they're going to march the party to a local settlement. Settlement, not sediment. <laughs> um, <laughs> Some rocks. Yeah, they're like, okay, we're, like, going to bring you to one of these two towns, pretty much. But this doesn't happen. Each man, all the men are separated from the group and are paired with the militiamen. And they're saying Mm -hmm. this is, like, you know, the men are the most dangerous. So, like, they're they're being watched because there was just conflict and they don't know how much the people know. But what happens is the guy in the front gives out a signal signal. And each guy turns and shoots the guy next to him. Jesus. So super, like, brutal, like, firing squad. Just, yeah, like... execution style. Yes. Like, crazy. Um, the rest of the party, which is right there, you know, like, saw that happen, are ambushed by men hiding in the bushes. What? So they watch these... All the men in the party get shot. And then people jump out from the bushes and start attacking the rest of the people. All the women and children. Yeah. Only 17 children survived. Did they run or were they allowed? They, they were told not to kill the small children. Oh my god. And it's even worse. There was 18, but they killed one of the girls in front of the other children because they thought she was lying about how old she was. Like, they think she realized that they were only letting the little kids survive, so she lied, Mm -hmm. like, uh, saying she was young enough, and they didn't believe her. So these people watched the men get executed, pretty much. Mm -hmm. The the women get... Their mothers get ambushed. Ambushed by people running out the bushes, and then, like, watch a a child get executed, pretty much. So Mm -hmm. it's super brutal, super, like, not just, like, an attack. They, they, They... executed these people yeah that's unnecessary out of hysteria um the 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 kids were all taken in by local mormon families um and they were they were later reclaimed by the government and brought back to relatives from like arkansas or wherever they were picked up like it eventually gets fixed but during the time in the mormon territory they were treated worse than pest the government gets there and they're like these most of these kids didn't have clothing they were filthy they were malnourished like these people treated little kids like they were these demons that all these priests had told them were coming and like they didn't even have a heart to take care of these kids that just had like everyone they know executed it was a very terrible terrible thing that they were just gonna like blame on other people um A day after the uh, massacre takes place, the militia gets a letter from Brigham Young from, like, the the theocratic head telling them to let the party go in peace. (gasps) So they kind of acted without knowing what the people in charge said and made a very bad decision. Oh, my God. I feel sick. Young finds out about the massacre soon after and launches an investigation in which he interviews Lee. Um, But 
young not wanting the government to be even more mad at the utah territory because they're already like marching on them reports to the government that the natives killed this group so they convince like the head to lie um oh my god uh and this is just believed kind of because the government is already marching on them so they're not really going to do their own investigations at this time so they're just like whatever whatever like we're not going to prosecute anyone as the government like we're we're trying to steal your territory (laughs) so they had bigger things on their heads so this is just kind of also an important note is that the civil war is also starting to stir Mm -hmm. up at this time so they're like marching on utah the rest of the army, the other three fours, are worried about, like, civil war stuff happening. Yeah. So nobody really looks at this for a little while. But in 1859, things kind of chill out, and the investigation by government officials is finally started. And they find pretty quickly that it's the Mormons. The Mormons <laughs> were very much involved and in charge of the whole thing. It. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a further investigation concludes once they start to suspect that it was the Mormons that this would not have happened without the Mormons asking and bribing the tribe to help. Yeah. So, like, this, it was completely the Mormons, like, telling the tribe to do stuff and, like, telling the yeah. tribe that these people were here to hurt them and just lying to everyone to get what they want to happen to happen. Um, so, these investigations lead to the government pinning the blame on militia and religious leaders. Um, so at this point, they all flee. Um, Lee and the other militiamen, they're, like, out of there. And Lee escapes Damn. for years and years because the gov, um, the Utah War had kind of chilled out, but we're still dealing with the Civil Civil, the war. civil war. So, which starts in 1861. <laughs> and, uh, so he gets away until 1874. Oh, my God. So this happens in 1857. He doesn't get caught until 1874. Um, He, other men were, like, caught and investigated, but it was nothing as concrete as his involvement. And it's Mm -hmm. because so much happens so much later. Um, His first trial, he has to go to trial twice because the first trial wound up in a hung jury. Mm -hmm. Um... But a second trial gets him convicted, and he was sentenced to death, and he had to choose how he would be executed out of three things. They made him choose out of hanging, firing squad, and decapitation. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he chooses firing squad and is executed in 1877. Mm -hmm. Um, He is kind of mad about this because he's the only one out of all the militiamen to get put on trial like that Mm -hmm. and other leaders come out and say like like yeah that's not fair you know other people involved are like we wish we could try all the people that were involved with this thing but because 120 ish people lose their lives to this militia yeah and he's the only guy who gets punished for it um his last words were him claiming he was a scapegoat for all the others involved like he was getting a lot more the blame 
than he should have. Yeah, probably. Because there was a billion other guys involved, and they're like, I'm getting put to death, and this guy, my neighbor, is walking Mm -hmm. away from it, you know? Like... But, I mean, same thing happened with the Nazis. Exactly. Like, Like, it's... You can't be mad that they're killing you. Everyone was a Nazi until there was a trial. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you can tell how the Utah war goes. Utah's a state. (laughs) It's not run by the Mormons. Utah does lose. Utah does lose the Utah war. Spoiler alerts for the Utah war. The Civil War. We also know how that one plays out. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, I had no clue Utah went to war. for the Civil War. That's the name of this week's episode. Um, sorry, I just saw something. Uh, but yeah, that is that is my 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 story on the the Mountain Meadow massacre. What the fuck? I'm still reeling. Like, talk <laughs> martial law, dog. Like, you're gonna come into my house and you're gonna tell me that Utah declared martial law? That's just one of those things. Like, where, like I know. Like, we talk about the texas war and like the california like the wars that happened to win those states nobody ever told me we went to war for utah and it's probably because it's super religious and like you you, yeah. you know like that's a hard topic to talk about because they're marching on the state for like a disagreement in like the mormon Religion. practices um and there's also like there was stuff especially at this time that these men were like you know marrying not only had multiple wives, but some of these wives are as young as 12 or 11. Yeah. Like, you, you're marrying young children into these religions out of, like, you say it's prophecy. Like, if you, like, Church of Latter-day Saints was super big and, like, you were you reached an age where you, like, either got married or had to wait till the next year. Like, they were, they were forcing these kids to, like, each yeah. year get picked off pretty much. Um... So, it's a lot of, like, they disagreed with how they were treating people in this area, but it's still, like, a march against religion. So, I guess, like, that's why public schools can't talk about it. But nobody even mentioned that we had a Utah war. No, the Wikipedia page on it is insane. It's in... There's so many people involved. There's... (laughs) Plural marriage. Yeah. Being what it's called is absolutely bonker bananas. Oh my god. Um why did the Utah war happen? <laughs> because because the Mormons. Yeah. Wow. The, the Mormons claimed they had done nothing wrong. <laughs> Bold claim. Is is the first thing that is said. But it's like what? And, like, these, the, the, the way the leaders handle it is so awful. They, like, uproot mm-hmm. everyone's lives just being, like, you have to defend the religion. And it's, like, you have these people going crazy in these towns. Like, doomsday prepping, stockpiling, prepared and to burn why? their cities down. Um, so, yeah, that's how we got Utah as a state. <laughs> This podcast episode is really like the man who couldn't be killed and how we got Utah. And how we killed Utah. (laughs) And how we killed Utah. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I just like that they were so mad at the Mormons that a quarter of the army was sent. Right. Like, and that's... 
Dude, martial law is insanity to me. Like, I mean, it, it's also, like, they were under a theocracy, so, like, the religious leaders kind of ran the area anyway, and they weren't dictated by any, like, government, but there was no federal government over them. So these right. religious leaders kind of already had a strong rule. So for them to have to put martial law in place, you know they were making stuff up. They were making the they, wildest yeah. claims and, like, m- just... Whatever they wanted happened at this point. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I'm floored. I found I, this out about reading about the Grand Canyon. It's like, if you remember, that started from yeah. that episode. I'm also stuck on, like... Dude, they really just killed so many yeah. people. Yeah. I didn't want to get into, like, the, the, it was intense, the way they treated those people, and, like, even the fighting beforehand, and then just to try to, like, blame it on the, the natives. The natives, yeah, like, that really, you guys are just racist, oh my god. Yeah. Like, ew, ew, ew. And these people weren't coming here to, like, hurt these, they were coming to trade with these people, and they were murdered for it. Because Utah. Because Utah was freaking out because utah so and that's the name of this week's episode is because utah <laughs> like oh my god Woo. anyway leave us a review on spotify <laughs> itunes follow us on tiktok i'm gonna vom <laughs> <laughs> yeah hang out with us in the discord yeah read more on the utah war if you want or don't it gets it was kind of crazy there was stuff i left out because i was like well i'm talking about the massacre specifically like i'm gonna go over an hour if i describe the whole utah war oh my god yeah (laughs) yeah i feel like that's one of those weird history things though like i was yeah it's it's not necessarily like a true crime i mean it's crime for sure yeah but, definitely and, it's, and it is true and it did happen but it was like that's just like weird history of like yeah. what i had no if you asked me how we got utah i'd be like people moved there and then we just decided it was a state like i would have had no mm-hmm. idea that a war was fought for utah they can keep it yeah make it a territory again (laughs) no make it a country let's see what happens utah the country oh my god goodbye podcast (laughs) have a nice day love y'all bye